One of the things that Jesus Christ did before his crucifixion was to go inside the temple and to cleanse the temple. So that's what we'll be talking about today. And then in the next two weeks, we'll be talking about various things that Jesus Christ did leading up to his crucifixion on the Friday. So today we're talking about Jesus cleansing the temple. Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here under your feet, in your presence. Lord, that you will, we will have fellowship with you, that you will minister to our heart and to our spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus that we will not live here the same, Lord, but you will touch us. Change us, O oh God. Let us have an encounter with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 21. And this is when Jesus Christ went into the temple and cleansed the temple, sacking all the people who were doing various things in the temple that did not glorify God. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, the Bible says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said, he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what the, these what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you not read out of the out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? And so sometimes when you hear babies crying and you hear infants who cannot speak or cannot speak or communicate to you, some of the things they are saying is actually giving praise to God. Because the Bible says God has ordained praise in their mouths. So the things that babies say, even though doesn't make sense to us some of them are praising god because it's an arrangement that god himself had made amen and that is why sometimes babies will be in our in our presence and we think that oh they are not benefiting from the service but the bible says where two or three people are gathered in my name i am there with them so god's presence is here as as he's ministering to the adults he's ministering to the babies as well and that's why it's important to bring the babies into the presence of God. Jesus said, do not keep the children away from me. Bring them. Mm. So even though they might not hear what is going on, the Spirit of God is ministering to them. Yes. When they grow up, they will remember that, yeah, I used to go to church on Sunday. I, there was a, there's a song on Caleb. The, the songwriter says that the devil can take me out of the church, but cannot take the church out of me. Because the church has been planted in her heart from childhood so it's important to bring babies children into the presence of god now this was an occasion when jesus christ um, went into jerusalem and was welcomed in jerusalem and they were singing praises of jesus christ they were saying hosanna hosanna and after all these things when he entered into jerusalem the first thing he did was to go into the temple 
you might think that after they had sung praises and they have called him a king and the women were putting their clothes on the floor and they were they were waving palm branches at him you might think that he will go straight to the palace because the people have already made him a king but the first place he went to was in the temple that has a significance to us and remember i we are discussing the things that jesus christ did in the last seven days of his life every single thing that jesus christ did on earth is very important however the things that he did in the last seven days of his life are very very important and you must pay attention to those things because if every man is dying or every man is about to die they don't spend their time on necessary things mm. they spend their time on things that are very very important mm. and one of those things was jesus christ going into the temple to cleanse the temple he did not shut down the temple but he went there to remove all those people who were doing things that did not glorify god and this wasn't the first time jesus christ was doing this when you pay attention to the Bible, you can see that this is the second time Jesus Christ was doing it. In the book of John, it is recorded that he went there in John chapter 2 verse 15. The Bible says when he had made a whip. So in the book of John, Jesus Christ went into the temple with a whip. And that was when he had started his ministry. Some people argue that they believe that it is the same thing. The one that has been recorded in the Synoptic Gospels. Now, when I say the Synoptic Gospels, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded the one that Jesus, the one that I just read, where Jesus Christ went into Jerusalem after they, they were praising him and they were singing songs to him. He went into the temple. Now, the one that I read earlier did not mention that Jesus made a whip. However, the one in the book of John mentions that Jesus made a whip and then he drove them out of the temple. In the book of John, that was the beginning of his ministry. So Jesus Christ actually went into the temple twice. It's an, this is something that has some theological discussions. Some people think that it is just one. Others believe that Jesus Christ went twice. And I believe that Jesus Christ went twice. If you look at the details of what happened when he went into the temple, you will see that he actually went into the temple twice to cleanse the temple. So the first time was in the beginning of his ministry in John chapter 2. And John is the only one who records this. The second time is when he was about to die. He went into the temple to cleanse the temple of the people who were trading in the temple instead of praising God in the temple. And so, Jesus, the, the church of Christ, just like Jesus had to cleanse the church twice, or had to go into the temple twice, the church constantly needs cleansing. So there are things that the church is dealing with that are not new. There are situations that happen in the church today, they are not new. Just like Jesus Christ went the first time to clean the temple and the money changers came back into the church. And he had to go again a second time when he was about to die to cleanse the temple. So the things that we are confronted with as a church, they are not new. And how are we going to cleanse the church? When Jesus Christ went there, what he said to them was, it is written. 
So it is the word of God that we need to cleanse the church. If the church, if we see things that go on in the church that are not good, we see behaviors that go on in the church that are not good, it is still going to take the word of God to cleanse the church. The things that were, the things that were written in the Bible to the church in Corinthians, the things that were written in the Bible to the church in Galatians, the things that were written in the Bible to the church of Ephesians. For instance, the immorality that was going on in the church of Corinthians that Paul was addressing. The same things happen now in the in our churches. And so these things are not new. They are the same things that happened earlier that are happening again. The early church was the things that the early church was confronted with is the same things that we are being confronted with today. For instance, in the church of Corinthians, one of the things that happened in that church was immorality. And Paul wrote a letter to address the immorality. Another thing that happened in the Corinthian church was division. Paul wrote a letter to address the division. What I'm saying is that things that happen in those churches still happen in our churches today. And that is why Jesus Christ had to go into the temple the first time when he began his ministry to cleanse the temple. And again went there because those issues will continue to reoccur, continue to happen. Mm -hmm. And what we will use to correct those things will be the word of God. So in John chapter 2, Jesus went to the temple to cleanse it. In Matthew, when he was about to die, the last week, his last week on earth, he went into the temple again to cleanse the temple. So we have to pay attention to the things that were written to the churches in Corinthians in Ephesians, in Galatians. The same things are going to happen in our lifetime here on earth. And what we need is the word of God to address it. So when Jesus Christ went into the temple, he told them, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. But it is written that it shall be a house of prayer. And Jesus Christ was quoting from Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. The Bible says that, even, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So Jesus Christ was saying, was pointing to this scripture in Isaiah and was telling them that it is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer. So when Jesus Christ saw things happening in the church that were not in accordance with the will of God, what did he do? He pointed them to the word of God. In this generation that we live in, there are so many things that go on in the church that do not conform to the word of God. And you as a believer have to go back to the word of God. What does the word of God say about this thing? Now, I want you to understand the practice of selling church how it all began and how Jesus why Jesus Christ had to go there to cleanse the temple now as part of the worship in the Old Testament the people were required to give sacrifices and so what the high priest and the Pharisees and the other people did was that we are going to make it easy for you we are setting up these shops right in the temple and so they had all the sacrifices there and so that wasn't what God instructed them 
but they are saying we are going to make it easy for you. We have the, we already have the doves and the sheep and everything in the temple right here. So when you come and you're supposed to give a sacrifice, you go and buy one from that place. And they were taking advantage of the people and selling those things to them at high prices. Because once you get into the temple, you wouldn't want to go back and go and get the, the sacrifice. You want to buy it right there. And so they were charging high prices. The money changes as well. There was a specific currency that was used in the temple. And so when you come to the temple, you had to change whatever currency you have into that currency that was used in the temple. So the money changes and everything were just there. Those people didn't come to worship. They came to do business. And so the intent of God, when he gave them the rules about the, about the sacrifices, was to set that place apart and make it holy. It was to connect them to God. But now it has become a custom that has been changed into a business. Mm. And those things still happen in our churches today. Mm. That things that were supposed to honor God have been changed to businesses. Mm. And people don't think about the reason why those institutions or those traditions or those things were made or those things were supposed to be there in the church. They only think about their personal gains. And so... The, Jesus Christ was offended that these people had changed the whole purpose of worship. They had changed the whole purpose of the sacrifices. They had changed the whole purpose of people coming into the temple and they were rather taking advantage of the people and didn't care about connecting the people to God. I believe that people who owned those businesses were the same people with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. I'm sure when you come to them, they will direct you to their shop or whoever they are. There, whoever is taking care of your business and say, Go and buy from this person, you need the sacrifice. So, Jesus Christ was offended that the sacrifice that was meant to bring people to God, men are rather taking it to enrich themselves, taking advantage of the people of God. And these things happen in our days as well, in our various churches, where there are things that happen, there are things that we are doing in the church that we have lost sight of God and it has become man made. It has become artificial. It has become business. It has become the gain of people who are supposed to think about the souls of men. But rather, they have changed the whole thing. And now it has become a business. And that is why Jesus went into the temple and kicked all those people out. That my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. However, they have changed it into a, a place of corruption. A place that they are taking advantage of people. Today, in 21st century, there are a lot of churches everywhere in the world that are taking advantage of innocent believers. And that, you can see, if Jesus Christ was, was careful enough that in my last days on earth, this is one of the things I want to do, to cleanse the temple, then you should know that Jesus is not pleased for us to take advantage of the people of God. He doesn't like it. And the first time he went there, he had a whip in his hand. He kicked all of them out. The Bible says he overturned their tables and told them to leave because his father's house shall be called a house of prayer. The church is a house of prayer and not a place for business. It is not a place that men take advantage of other people. Let's not lose sight of the things that happen in the church. 
let's not just follow the motion and follow the custom and not understand the scriptural basis of the things we do in the church. Jesus Christ is not pleased with that. In his life, as in his lifetime on earth, every time he referred back to the scriptures, he said, It is written. Whenever he was confronted with anything, what he did was, It is written. Today, there are Christians who will not be able to quote scripture, but they will refer to a custom. They will tell you, This is how we have done it in my grandmother's church. This is how we're doing it. In my grandfather's church, this is how we're doing it. They cannot point to the scriptural basis of the things that we do in the church. It is important that our faith is not based on traditions that have been passed over to us, but our faith should be based in the scriptures. If you, if you, if you believe in the things you are doing and you, you can't find a scriptural basis, stop and look into the scriptures. Find a scriptural basis because that should be the foundation of your understanding. Because whatever you do without understanding doesn't profit you much. You need to do what you are doing with understanding. So the scripture has to be the basis for everything you do. These people have changed their whole purpose, the, the practice of worshiping God. They have changed it into a business. And their intention right now was not to bring the people closer to God, but to make more money from the people. They were not supposed to even bring the money into the temple. The temple was a holy place set apart for doing Things that bring people closer to God. But now they have changed it into a business center. They think that we are giving you easy access. They will say that probably the one who started it said, Oh, this is a good idea that we have these ships and these goats and these uh, doves close to the church. So that when you, you don't have to bring it from wherever you're coming from. Just come and buy from here. But now it had been changed into a business. The goal was no more to serve the people. The goal was no more to draw the people closer to God. But the goal was to make money from the people. And Jesus was offended. One of the things that God detests is when you take advantage of his people. When you lose sight and you, 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 you don't have the passion for God's people anymore. When you don't have a burden and a genuine love for God's people anymore. And any minister can fall into that trap. Where you become used to the, 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 um, the performance. And you become used to what you do. And you lose sight that what you are doing in the church is actually for the souls of men. And the ministry to God. David got, into the, got to the place where he didn't have a passion for the people of God anymore. And that's why he fell into a sin. That he had to repent. Because the Bible says that in the time that kings went to war, David did not go to war. He was sitting down and relaxing and walking about. And that is why he fell into the sin. Because he had lost, he has lost the passion of serving the people. Because as a king, you were supposed to serve the people and lead them to war. But David got to a place where he was so comfortable. And stop leading the people to war. And I was reading the story of how, how Uriah, who was one of the, the, the men who was fighting for David. Even when David brought him back home, after David was trying to cover up his sin. Sleeping with Uriah's wife, getting the woman pregnant. So he wanted to cover up. So he said, bring the man from the battlefield. Let him go home and go and sleep with his wife. The man said, there's no way I'll go and sleep with my wife, knowing that the armies of God are in the battlefield. 
that guy at that point had more passion and concern for the people of God than the king. That even his own wife, he said, I'm not going to sleep with my wife, knowing that my brothers are out there in the field. At that point, the king had already slept with somebody who wasn't his wife. So the king didn't care at that time. Didn't have as much passion for the people that he was serving. Like this religion, this army guy, this servant who said no. So far as my brothers are fighting out there, I cannot go home and sleep with my wife. I would rather sleep at the gate because my brothers are at the battlefield. That man's heart at that point was better than David. But the good thing is that David repented when they told him you have done the wrong thing. He repented and God forgave him. I just took a rabbit hole, but sorry. Um, <laughs> so I was saying that we should, uh, when we serve the people of God, our passion should be the people and not just the performance, not just the stage, not just the occasion, but our bedding should be for the people. Amen. And that's what Jesus Christ said. So Jesus Christ went into the temple to cleanse the temple as part of the last things that he did on earth. David said in the book of Psalm 84, a day in the court in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tent of wickedness. This is David, the man after God's own heart. He said it is better for him to spend just one day in the temple of God than to spend a thousand days elsewhere. That was how much David esteemed the, the temple of God. That he compared thousand days elsewhere to just one day in the presence of God. And he said one day in the presence of God is better than a thousand days elsewhere. Do we have the same passion for the house of God in our days? Jesus Christ did not shut down the church. He didn't say this temple was not necessary. There are believers who unfortunately have gotten to the place of offense and they have said that I'll never go to church again. Inasmuch as I want to sympathize with them, whatever thing that happened to them, that offended them and kept them away from church, I just wish that it didn't happen. But there should be nothing that offends you that keeps you away from the presence of God. That keeps you away from church. Some people have resolved that I will not go into any church anymore. All I will do is I will pray in my house. But the Bible instructs us to go into the presence of God. And so in as much as I feel sorry for whatever offense that has happened to them, don't let the offense imprison you. That's why I'm saying that everything you do as a believer must have a basis in the scriptures. What does the Bible say concerning church meetings? What does the Bible say concerning the gathering of the saints? That should be the basis of your decision. And so don't get to a place where you become offended by, by you see, like I made an example of how these Pharisees were taking advantage of the people. It happens these days. And because of that, some people have vowed never to go to any church anymore. I pray for them that God will heal them and open their eyes again. And then they will have the same love to go to the presence of God. However, let's never get to a place where we are so offended that we want to stay away from anything called church. Because there's definitely good churches out there. 
And so find one. If you feel like you have been offended here, you've been mistreated here, let God lead you to another church and worship there. Don't stay home and say you are done with church. It is not a good place for any Christian to get to. Usually when people are offended, they pass over those offenses. When you listen to somebody who is offended, if you have a friend who is offended and they are always complaining, especially people who have been offended by the church, let me just use people who have been offended by the church, they are always criticizing the church. They will never see any good thing in any church. They are always saying wrong things about the church. And if you don't take it, they pass on that ideology to you. As you continue to listen to them, you receive what they are saying, and you begin to see the truth in what they are saying, and you begin to agree with them. But they are saying all those things because they are offended. They are saying those things from the place of offense. So they are passing on that pain in their heart to their listeners. And so of people who have been offended by churches and have vowed never to go to any church, constantly criticize the church. Every church, no matter how the church is. They have not even been to the church before, but they will say all sorts of things about the church. One of the things that I've learned over the years is to be careful with the, thing, the things that I say concerning the church. Because the church, to me, is the body of Christ. When, and I'll, I'm going to break that down, hopefully, until more time to do that. When, when, um, let me read the scripture. It's not part of the things that I, 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 was, I wanted to read today, but just because I'm making this point, let me. When Paul, when Saul encountered Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Paul was breathing out threatenings, threat and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And went to the high priest for for letters, so that he will bound everybody he sees that follows the church. And when Jesus Christ met Saul, he said to him, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Jesus did not say, "Why are you persecuting the church?" He says, "Why are you persecuting me?" I want you to see what the point I'm trying to make here. Saul at that time was persecuting the church. However, when Jesus Christ met him, he said, why are you persecuting me? So the church is Jesus Christ. The church is the body of Christ. So whatever you do to the church, the universal body, you are doing to Jesus Christ. When I got that understanding, I became very careful the things I say about the church. And I'm not saying that you cannot correct somebody. If you are close to any leader of the church and they are doing things wrong, definitely as a brother. The Bible says when you see that a brother is doing something wrong, correct that person in love. So you go to the brother and say, I think this thing you are doing is not right. It is not in line with scripture. However, if you stand somewhere and throw sticks against the church. Jesus Christ says, you are persecuting me. So even though Saul at that time was harassing the people, just the disciples, Jesus says, why are you doing this to me? And personally, when I got that revelation, I'm sure not everybody understands things that way, but I think it makes sense to say that from the scriptures, it makes sense to say that whatever thing you are doing to the church, 
Jesus assumes that you are doing it to him. Because the church is his body. We all believe that. And that is why, personally, I'm very careful with the things I see. Because there are things I see in so many places, in so many churches, that I feel like these things are not supposed to be so. I pray for the churches. I intercede for churches every, almost every week. I'm praying for the body of Christ all over the world. That we will leave to our name. Because right now there are things that happen in the church. We are definitely not leaving to our name and our expectation. But my prayer for the church every time is that we will leave to the things that Jesus has said concerning the church. We will leave to that expectation. And that should be the prayer for, of every Christian. That the church will truly live worthy of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, again, let me just come back to our text for today. Jesus Christ, it was his custom to always go into the church. The point I was making earlier before I diverted was that David said that one day in your presence is better than a thousand days elsewhere. So the Bible tells us in the book of Luke that so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So it was the custom of Jesus Christ to go into the synagogue every time on the Sabbath day. So whilst Jesus was here on earth, one of the things he did on the Sabbath day was to go into the temple. And so as a child of God, please don't get to the place that you become so offended that you decide that I will never go to church again. It is not a good place. I pray for people who are there that God will heal their hearts. However, please don't get to that place. So when Jesus Christ had kicked all of them out of the church, the people who were selling, the thing he did, the next thing he did was that the Bible says, then the blind and the lame came to, into the temple and he healed them. So the next thing Jesus Christ did, after kicking out the frosters, the corrupt people out of the church, he healed the eyes of the blind and the lame. And he was pointing out to them, this is what happens in the church, that we do good to the people, that we pray that the blind eyes will see. Spiritually blind people will come into the temple, they'll receive the word of God, and they'll begin to see. So Jesus Christ is saying, we don't do trading here, we don't do business here. This is what we do here. We pray for the lame. We pray for the blind. We teach in the temple of God. So he used the scriptures to back what he was doing. Now I want us to go into what the church means. Right. Okay. So the church, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. Ecclesia means the called out ones or the calling out. So the word church means called out. And that is why the church cannot blend in. That's why the church cannot conform to the dictates of the world. The fact that there is a new legislature that has been passed in the U.S. or in any other nation that accepts certain things does not mean the church has to follow those things. The, church, the constitution of the church is the Bible. The church has been called out of the world to stand and to shine to the world. 
So the, the meaning of the word church in the Greek is ecclesia. The word also means that it also means that the um, the actual meaning should be an assembly or gathering. It does not refer to a building. Today, when we say church, the first thing that comes to people's mind is the building. That is not the definition of a church. The church means called out. It is the gathering of the people of God. It's the assembly of the people of God. Unfortunately, the English has not been able to explain this word very very well. And so, whenever we, we talk about a church, people think about the building first. But the church is not the building. The church is the body of Christ. It's the people who form the body of Christ. It's the people who come together as the body of Christ. Now, there is the universal church and the local church. The universal church is the body of Christ all over the world. That is a universal church. The local church is the, the gathering of believers in various local places. Some people have said that they don't believe in the local institution of the local churches. They only believe in the universal church. And that is why they won't go to church. But if you pay attention to the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, he said, letter to the church in Corinthians, or to the churches in the city of Corinthians. And he said, letter to the churches in Galatians. And so there were local churches. And at a point, he said, greetings to the church that meets in your house. So he referred to that assembly of people as a church. That's what I'm saying. Everything we do as believers, the foundation has to come from scripture. Not because you're offended. Not because somebody did something wrong. And so you decided that this is my doctrine from today because I'm offended. No. It must come from scripture. So just back to what I'm saying. There is the universal church. That is the universal body of Christ. And all of us become part. One day we're going to do a series on the church. But today I just wanted to talk about the things that Jesus Christ did before he was crucified. Once you become born again, you are baptized into the body of Christ. And this is not talking about water baptism. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, For as the body is one and, many have, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into the body. So how are we baptized into the body? Through the Holy Spirit. So as soon as you become born again, and the Holy Spirit comes to sit, comes to reside inside of you, you become part of the body of Christ. So the universal body, whether in Asia, whether in Africa, everyone who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior is part of that universal body. However, when you go to various places, various cities, there are meetings there that are referred to as church. And they are referred to as church not because of the building, but because they are the called ones, called out ones, who have the Spirit of God inside of them. And so it is important that we identify the difference between this. When you are reading the Bible, sometimes you come across the word church. And it means the universal church. Sometimes you come across the word church and it, it could also mean 
a local church in in the assembly or in the local church in that um, how do you call it in that generation so when jesus christ said i will build my church jesus christ was talking about the universal church he said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and the bible also talk about the local church in the book of acts that the churches were strengthened that he was referring to the local church and so paul's epistle were directed to the local churches paul wrote an epistle to the church in corinthians and he wrote an epistle to the church in galatians those were directed to the local churches as you can see in those letters paul addressed issues that were going on in those local churches amen and so we need to understand that the local church is very important and the universal church is also very important the local church is as important as the universal church don't only say that you are part of the universal church but you don't belong to any local church in our places that we reside it is important that we find a local church and become part of that church jesus christ only cleansed the temple he did not shut it down he didn't say that from today i'm about in a few days i'm going to die and this gathering will not be necessary anymore that's not what he said but he said this is my father's house if the church and the gathering of the people of god was not important he wouldn't have spent his time to go there and cleanse the place there will be no need if he was going to replace it with people who can live everywhere and not gather and not meet to identify themselves as people of god if he felt that was not necessary he wouldn't have gone there to cleanse the place he went to prepare and cleanse the place and define what worship should look like he says worship should be in accordance to what is written what we do as believers should be in accordance with what is written in scriptures what we do as Christians must be in line with the word of God. Let's not follow customs. Let's not follow tra- just traditions that do not have any meaning. Everything you do as a child of God, find the basis of what you are doing in scriptures. If there are things that you are practicing right now that you still don't understand why you do them, but you just follow custom and you just follow the lead of other people, take your time to understand those things from scripture. Because whatever thing we do, must be written in scripture my emphasis today is that there are so many things that go on in the church there might be things that are not pleasing to us how can we fix them through the word of god identify the word what the word says don't just follow customs don't follow tradition but identify what the word says don't say that the church is not important don't say that you are done with the church you don't identify with any church. In 1 Timothy, the Bible says, Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. So years after the death of Jesus Christ, Paul still said that the church is the house of God. And he says, That you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The church today, no matter which generation it is, the church is the pillar 
and the ground of truth. Even though there's a lot of falsehood that we see today in the church, the church is supposed to be the pillar of truth. And that is why you and I who are Christians, who, you and I who are believers, must continue to intercede and pray for the church, that the church will take its rightful place in this generation. That is why we cannot say that we don't want the church to exist. We want the church to be done away with. The church is the pillar of truth. That's what the word of God says. And the church will continue to remain the pillar of truth. Therefore, it's our prayer. It should be our prayer that the church in our days will take its rightful place. In the book of Hebrews, and this is my last text, in the book of Hebrews, the writer says that do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the days draw nearer. It means that as the days are getting nearer, as the days are getting closer, what we must do is to continue to gather, continue to assemble together, continue to meet and strengthen one another. The good thing is whenever we meet as a church, the Spirit of God comes, cleanses us, renew us and strengthen us. And so the church is important. In the days of Jesus Christ, there were things wrong with the church. He cleansed it with the word. In our days, there are things wrong with the church. We have to cleanse it with the word. Amen. Amen. The man who wrote the Purpose Driven Church says that you can go around looking for a perfect church. But remember that as soon as you become part of that church, the church ceases to be perfect because you are not perfect. And so there are a lot of imperfect people who come together to form the church. In the physical sense, people have flaws. The people who come to the church, everybody has flaws. And we, have, we come together to form the body, to form the church. And so you will not find a perfect church as long as you are part of the church and you, are, you admit that you are not perfect. Then don't go around looking for a perfect church. But wherever you are, Help build it. Help build that church. Because Jesus has said, I will build my church. So Jesus is building the body as the church. And what would Jesus do if he finds himself in an imperfect church? He will help build. He will help correct what is wrong. And so that should be our focus as believers. Shall we bow down our heads for a word of prayer? We want to pray for the church, the universal church. Just like Jesus cleansed the temple, there might be things, so many things that are going on in the church today that do not honor God. There are so many things. If I, if I give you the chance, I know today you can just list more than 100 things that do not honor God in our churches today. But let's pray for the church. Let's pray for the body of Christ that will take our rightful place. That the church will be pleasing to God. Let's just begin to pray right now for the church, for the universal church right now. Let's just begin to pray. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. We commit the church to your hands, Lord. We commit the church into your hands, Lord. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen the men and women who make up the church, Lord. Patch us, O God. Purge us from weaknesses. Purge us from sin. 
Father, we pray for false prophets, false teachers. We ask for repentance for them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. People who are teaching wrong doctrine, we are asking that their eyes will open. People who are intentionally deceiving the people of God, we pray, Lord, touch their hearts. Change them. Cause them to repent from their ways, Lord. We pray for people who have been offended by the church, who have vowed never to step foot in any church, any gathering, any assembly. Oh, God, we ask that you heal their hearts. Renew them, oh, God. In the name of Jesus. We pray for people who are weak in the church. Strengthen them. In the name of Jesus. That they will not backslide. They will not turn their backs into the world. We are praying Lord that they will have an understanding of who you are. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen.